Hello and welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I'm Reese, and I'm joined today by... Dan. Danny. And Josh. How's everyone doing today, guys? Yeah, not bad. Pretty good. Yep, awesome. Great. We'll start today with some news. I'll start with Toto Wolf saying that he wants to have Lewis signed on for 2022 by the summer. What are your thoughts on this, guys? And where do you think it leaves Valtteri and George? I think that this has been brewing for a long time. Obviously, after that one-year extension, Toto has obviously taken his extension as well. I think he wants to work with Lewis, but I don't think with the way Mercedes are that it's now a necessity. I think it's uh, Lewis. The, the contract's here if you want it. If you don't, see you later, buddy. We'll just take George. But I realistically think that if they get Hamilton, they'll be taking George. So you think Hamilton and George next year? Yeah, 100%. I'm opposite of you. I think if they resign Hamilton, Valtteri is staying. Mercedes love consistency more than anything. And uh, I just, as much as the fans, everybody wants George uh, in that car, I think next year we'll see another Hamilton and Valtteri year. Um, I've, I'm with Danny there. I think Valtteri will stay at Mercedes next year. My heart wants George in the car, but like Danny said, I don't think um, Mercedes will unsettle it unless Valtteri starts throwing his toys out the pram and starts saying, I'm not a number two driver, and then they'll get rid of him and get George. But I think Valtteri's an intelligent man. He knows he ain't going to go anywhere else. So that's what I think. Yeah, but the problem is with Toto, uh, with Toto extending his shareholding within the company, I think he has even now more than he had before. He has more of a pool to decide, obviously, on what the drivers are going to be, what the driver lineup's going to be. And Valtteri has proved season upon season that he is a second driver. And don't get me wrong. I like having Valtteri as a second driver because it causes no issues at all for Lewis, the same as what we had with Rosberg. But you've got to look at the future. He's out of contract at Williams. You might as well snap him up or you've got another Ocon situation. Yeah, I, I think uh, a big part of it is Lewis. And last race, he showed exactly how valuable he is to that team because I don't think they would have got that result out of Valtteri. And you question no whether they would have got that out of George. No. For me, I want Lewis and George in the car next year. It's no disrespect to Valtteri, but just I'd love to see two British drivers having a uh, shot at a championship. And I don't think McLaren will get there with Lando next season. So I think if you can have two British drivers going for a championship, it's George and Lewis in that same Mercedes. I think also what Mercedes have got to worry about is now Red Bull have theoretically got two drivers where they can score maximum world championship points. Mercedes are going to have to have two drivers to uh, combat that, whereas before it didn't really matter because Mercedes were dominant. They could afford to finish third or fourth with the second driver. But I think that would be changing um, this year and probably next year as well. Yeah, I think uh, a big a big thing this year is it is two teams. And when Mercedes could get away with their number two driver finishing third or fourth, like you said, there was a three-team battle at the front. So... While Mercedes were winning races, Red Bull and Ferrari were taking points off each other and you can get away with it. Exactly what I said about that, the controversial part of last week's podcast, that if they'd have been the two Red Bulls up there, I think they would have pushed the Mercedes out. Oh, no, there's no doubt about that. It's a different it's a strategic <laughs> battle. And I know you love uh, going back to the point you were making to make sure that people know you were right. 
Um. <laughs> I think what we also got to think about as well, if you've taken last year, it was two Mercedes first one Red Bull, and then, as you said, just, they could do the strategy, couldn't they, over them? But this year, mm. it's theoretically it'd be two first two, so they need Valtteri to step up. I also think Valtteri will, conf- will conform to that. If he knows his role as a second driver, uh, George, I, he's too ambitious. I don't, I just don't see him accepting that second role either. I think he knows he's got a long career within F1. And I think he'd be willing for at least one, maybe two seasons to sit behind Lewis and not challenge him every single time, but still show that he can win races because he showed with just one weekend's worth of time in that car that he was going to win the race. If it wasn't for the tyre issues, he would have had his first F1 win. And that's the Mm -hmm. one that hasn't even really spent much time in that car imagine what he'd be able to do in in that car after a season i think that all depends on if lewis wants to mentor george but also even if lewis doesn't want to mentor george he can still learn a lot from lewis you think of how sonoda through following alonso last race said he learned things from just being behind alonso and i'm sure you can learn a lot more from being in the same garage as someone oh definitely yeah looking across the garage yeah one thing that will be different in the Mercedes garage, James Allison is uh, stepping back from his day-to-day role. He will no longer be the technical director. He'll be the chief technical officer. Sounds the same, but there is a difference in that being uh, that Mike Elliott will be stepping up to replace him as the uh, technical director. Guys, do you think this is going to cause any ripples for Mercedes? Nah. With Mercedes, you know, they don't really do anything on a whim, do they? It's always calculated. It's that German kind of like mechanical precision precision to the team they, they don't just do stuff to do it so i think it, it you wouldn't you're not even going to notice it's just going to be as a race fan and seeing him in the paddock for that long it's going to be weird to not see him there yeah i agree with you there um they're going to replace him with a guy uh, mike elliott who's been with that team for over 20 you know well has been spent two decades in f1 and he's been in the team for a while he's the tech director now you know, he's earned his position in Formula One, but um, yeah, it's still big shoes to fill to replace Allison. But I, I think Mercedes will be fine. I just think um, it's just about keeping freshening things up, giving people different stuff to do to keep ahead of the game. I think, you know, they're all capable of doing the job, each other's job. I just think they, they want to change things up. If it becomes stagnant, sometimes that's when the team becomes a bit, um, go backwards or whatever. So just trying to keep the ideas fresh. I'm going to switch between news articles uh, so I can read the right bits of right bits of um, to, to well, see if I'm right. Uh, fact fact checking me. Oh no, <laughs> I fact check you in the edit. Oh. A lot. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's because I just chat a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna fight that. <laughs> just something else about to add to that. Mercedes had Patty Love for a in the beginning of their hybrid era, where they were, were, were very successful. And they replaced Allison in 2017, and the the ball kept on rolling. Um, You know, they were were still just as good, maybe even better. They lost Andy Cowell uh, last year. He was head of the engine development. They moved on from him, and they're still fine. They still have a strong engine package. Formula One teams have finally been able to agree on something, and that was uh, with the financial package surrounding sprint races. 
it was initially looking like being a million dollars, but that was uh, rebuffed by the smaller teams saying it would just be used on car development. So uh, sources are saying, multiple sources, that the uh, teams will receive around half a million dollars for the extra free sprint races, with the, uh, the cost cap being lifted by the same amount. It looks like it's going ahead, guys. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are the same as last time. It's just a big publicity kind of stunty thing. It's, it's, it isn't going to prove any better racing. It's, it's gimmicky. Yeah, but there's producing racing for the fans and there's trying to fit in with this generation that they believe only has a 60-minute attention span um, to try and get more fans into the sport. And I just think it's just a waste of money. Why not spend that extra money on the actual race car instead of trying to prove that now, what was it? We said the the three racetracks were Canada, Monza and Brazil potentially, and that they're all massively easy to pass tracks. So we're just going to see Lewis go from the back to the front. What's the point? We might as well just watch the race on Sunday. It's just gimmicky. Just gimmicky. It's yeah. gimmicky and... Uh- I think they missed a trick when you look at Formula 2. And what's going to say Formula 2 have done right and F1 has probably done wrong because what they're doing with their sprint races is the first sprint race of the two is brilliant. You, you do your qualifying on Friday. That sets your feature race grid for the Sunday, your full-length race. And on Saturday, you have your sprint race still, but the top 10 from qualifying is swapped around. Yeah. And that is a separate race. And that's... Yeah. That's how it should have been done. That's mm. how you want to do it. You want to go, oh, Lewis qualified on pole. Okay, but Lewis is now going to start 10th. And if he wants to get points from uh, from a sprint race, he's going to have to overtake five or six cars. Mm. Do you think they should, um, for sprint races, the results only count the top six in your in your format? Because I, I like your format. In Yeah, if that was my way of doing it, I'd say top six. And I'd shorten the race as well. I think, was it 100-kilometer race? It feels a bit... Feels a bit long for a sprint race. An hour, an hour for a sprint race. You would have thought this uh, this generation that's struggling to keep its concentration for an hour. You don't want to keep them right to the edge of that. You want to have exactly. it done in forty minutes. No, I think I think it'll be a thirty minute sprint races. I actually um, I quite like the idea of the sprint races, but I think again, if it's a sprint race, it should be 10, 15 laps to make it harder for the guys that do start at the back to actually get to the front. I think. It will work. You, there'll be some tactics employed over it, especially if you're going to get. Was it? It's less points for a sprint race than it is a main race, isn't it? Uh, only uh, the top three will score points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's quite a good idea. Oh God, like to see it at Monaco and all that. See if um, you know, Williams and Haas can get some mega points. And um, talking of Haas, I, I hope um, Gunther Steiner tells his drivers to crash. In the sprint races, if they do get that money for um, crash damage, rather than the actual Grand Prix, you are out there trying to make dollar. Gunter's <laughs> there, like, okay, must have been this why we bought you in. There's extra money coming if we ruin the chassis. Yeah, do it. Well, he ruined the last one. <laughs> he ruined the last car. I'm sure he can do it. It'll be fine. He'll <laughs> be crashing if, if if he's in Monaco doing it. He'll be crashing more deliberately than Rosberg does in Monaco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I reckon in Monaco, he's got a potential to go even less corners than he went in Bahrain. What I was going to say on the sprint races is, can you imagine the uproar that it's going to cause if the points from the sprint races 
is what ends up determining the world championship. If it's going to be God. that It'd close be like, this year. It would be like if double points had decided <laughs> the championship back in 2014. Oh God, the, oh, the mess that will create. And I, I get the feeling this is going to go the same way as, um, as elimination qualifying. I think what's going to happen is they'll do the free, they'll do the free Grand Prix, and everyone go, "Oh, sprint race, that was pretty good, wasn't it?" And everyone will be like, "Yeah." And then you'll have the Grand Prix on the Sunday is going to suffer because the guys who weren't the, who would have qualified higher, so you had a wet qualifying on the um, on the Friday, and it mixed up the order for the sprint race. And the sprint race, everyone sort of put themselves into a natural order. Then Sunday's race is going to suffer. Um, what you said about there about double points and points on sprint races. It happened in IndyCar. Montoya was ahead in the championship in a double points race come and Dixon overtook him for in the last round by scoring double points. So it's the same theory, I suppose, with the, the sprint race points. If that happened, it'd be shambles and people say it was a bit terminal, a bit Mickey Mouse, weren't they, at first? But yeah. My biggest concern that I would have as a obviously racing director or race team is what happens if you get in a big crash, say... God forbid, Grosjean style. Um, what are you gonna race on Sunday? What uh, are you, you gonna race usually, in the second in, in the second race? You do usually take a third chassis to an event as long as you've got the money. Um, and I think most teams have have always done that, with the exception of the, the likes of teams that were really struggling, like borderline liquidation. Um, Braun for the first six races of the two thousand nine season had just two set two chassis. They didn't have a first chassis. So I feel like you just park firm, just rebuild the car and start from the pit lane for the new chassis. But I just think, you know, then sh- should you be penalised on the Sunday race for having to rebuild your car for a gimmicky free race strategy from uh, from the FIA? You know, should, sh- should you have to suffer for... Doing when this. you've got engine penalties. Well, it sets, it yeah, sets like the order for the race. Stuff. So if you crash out, you start from the back. If you crash out in sprint race, because it sets the grid order, you, you start from the back. I think also what they're trying to do is, you know, we're all F1 fans. We watch races. We know what races are boring and which races aren't, but we still watch it because we all love F1. But I think what they're trying to do is make every all 23 races in um, exciting. But, you know, we know that's not the case. But I think that's what the governing body want to try and do. They, they, they want to make it some kind of entertainment rather than, you know, a racing series. That is exactly it. It's, it is Liberty Media trying to create a media buzz and uh, some sort of gimmicky thing to draw in race fans that they can try and market and publish stuff like that. Moving on from Liberty's tactic to make everything exciting, they've long stressed that they want destination cities and the final bit of news we're going to cover in this week's show is that there is a renewed hope for the 2022 street race in Miami and we'll come to our resident American. What do you think about this, Danny? Fantastic. Fantastic. I think it's a great idea. Miami is a great city uh, as a destination. I wouldn't want to live there, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, it's, that's great news. I, I was, I just saw that pop up as well. Um, that, uh, that the mayor who was, uh, who was against it at first has kind of changed his mind and it's all for it. M- might be political. Who knows? A lot of, a lot of, uh, stuff in the United States is, but, um, no, it's nothing but good news. Another track. And, um, 
even though the track looks kind of boring. Um, it might be like another Caesars Palace uh, Vegas circuit in the parking lot of a casino. This one's going to be in the parking lot of uh, the Hard Rock Cafe where the Miami Dolphins play. But um, uh, there's good hope for it. I hope it goes through. There's a lot of renewed interest here in the United States um, with Formula One. So, um, you know, obviously Netflix Drive Survive helps that out. Um, but just um, just the social media presence of a lot of its uh, drivers, especially Hamilton, him going on like uh, the Daily Show with Trevor, Trevor Noah, um, you know, it, it, it helps it out. Ricardo was also in that show as well. So it's um, a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, a, lot of a lot of media going on. Do you think it ha- helps um, in America that you got a, your own Formula 1 team in Huff F1 now? Um, well, <laughs> it's a Russian flag on the car in that one. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, no, no, it's not a Russian flag. It's been ruled it's not. Oh, it's been debunked? <laughs> <laughs> it's all fine. It's all fine. No, it? I don't, you know, I really don't think so. Um, I think Haas is great. You know, when I, when I, was, when I went to Coda uh, in 2019, they had their own the Haas Hill and stuff like that. But um, un- unless they, they start performing, you know, at the top of the grid, mm. I, I don't see them having that influence yet. They don't have, there's no American driver, the American team, you know, it's just, it, it's in the back of the grid. I don't think the, the hype is coming from there. I think the hype is mostly coming from the social media presence, Netflix, um, you know, the drivers on Instagram, stuff like that. I think that's, has more of a of a factor, more of an influence than the Haas team. But even though it's it's great to have Haas up there and yeah. to see us being represented. Coming back to the Miami thing, um, am am I right in thinking that they've got a vote for it like soon? To yeah, def- to, to definitely the, push uh, it through. About there's yeah, there's um, a, like, like I think it's going to come down to the same kind of principle that we get here. Uh, with Glastonbury, all the people that live next to Glastonbury get paid money or they get a ticket. I yeah. I think it's going to come down to similar tactics like that because, especially now in the climate that we're in, everybody wants to make money. They want to claw back the last year's worth of waste and non-profit and stuff like that. So I I I do really think that it will be a similar kind of thing. It's already going to go ahead they're just deciding on what they're going to give everybody yeah it's it's all very political um but just going back to what danny was saying on the track it does look like herman tilka's greatest hits in a car park and <laughs> I, I don't know if i call it greatest hits i'm looking at the track map now uh it looks like you're recreating sochi turn three uh <laughs> the sweeping section from sepang um <laughs> It looks like there's some Vietnam-inspired uh, sort of large looping shenanigans. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't even <laughs> call them hairpins because they're so big. Um, <laughs> it looks like they, maybe there's a bit of a Bahrain turn 10 in there as well. And you know that he's going to have a straight in there that he can call the longest uh, <laughs> longest straight in an F1 car park ever. It's a shame you can't what? pass at Barber Motorsports Park because it's a brilliant track and it's in the middle of nowhere. But... You know, it's a brilliant track, but it just followed the lead. Otherwise, you could have had that one on the F1 calendar. Take it back to Indy. Let's do that again. Speaking of uh, great tracks, would you guys like to win some great track wall art? Yes. Yeah. I I cannot wait. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. 
Well, good news for you guys, because uh, this week's show is, again, sponsored by Apex Tracks, who uh, have supplied us with this, you may have seen it already, a Monaco Grand Prix 3D printed wall art. Uh, we're giving this away closely to podcast listeners. If you want to enter, just message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, we're at Formula One Fans UK. You just have to message us the word Monaco. It's uh, Monaco. That don't need to be anything else, just the word Monaco, and uh, your entry will be counted. If you can't wait to win, you can always go to apextracks.com. That's A-P-E-X-T-R-A-X-S.com, and they've got loads on there. They've got Bahrain, they've got Imola, they've got Portimao, they've got Silverstone, they've got Spa, they've got all the great tracks in the UK. We've got, do you want Knock Hill? Because you can get Knock Hill on there. It's amazing, <laughs> guys. Honestly, check it out and make sure you enter the competition for a chance to win it. But we'll, uh, we'll move on now to preview the San Marino Grand Prix. Do we call it San Marino, guys? I honestly do not know. Uh, <laughs> Emilia Romana, I, it's got so many names. It's, it's Imola. We all love Imola. Imola. Let's preview Imola, guys. It's the Italian Grand Prix. There you go. <laughs> it's not Italian. <laughs> I'm sure San Marino. I'm sure it's in San Marino. Isn't San Marino like 45 minutes away? Oh, I don't know, but we beat them 5 0 the other night. So, <laughs> yes, that's British sport for you. See, if we can't win something, we, we'll brag about being San Marino. <laughs> Formula One guys, racing at Imola. What are your predictions for pole position? We'll start with you, Dan. My my prediction is that it is the Italian Grand Prix because on the race calendar <laughs> they put a Italian flag. Um, but obviously coming back to qualifying proposition, I've got to say with a heavy heart, it's gonna be the same as it was at Bahrain. I would love to say that Mercedes have gone back for two weeks, smashed it, and I really hope that they have, but I, I just can't see it. I really can't. Josh, who are you going for at poll? Max Verstappen, I just think. Oh, yeah, Max Stefan, I don't think there's any question about it. I think he done well at the Weber Grand Prix, one to call it, Imola Grand Prix last year. Um, he took it to Mercedes for he, well, blew up his rear of his car. I don't know what quite happened there. But I think he was at a strong Grand Prix last year at Imola. Red Bull are arguably better this year than they are last year. I think it's the Red Bull track with the, uh, with the high rate cars and it's, you know, the downforce that needed for that track, I think. Yeah, the easy pole position for Max again. Yeah, I agree. Max is going to pole. He's going to smash it. Uh, yeah, I just don't see anybody else. Uh, Checo doesn't have his feet under under him yet in that car, so it's just going to be a Max show. And uh, for the second predictions, well, for the second race predictions in a row, I'm going to agree with my co-host. I'm going to say Max as well. Uh, don't hate us because last time we all said Max, we were all right. Um, so we should, be yeah, but we've got to get it right occasionally. We've got to come we've got up, to get it right. We've got to get it right. We, we forget the names of the teams very often. I'm so, uh, we've got to get something right, yeah. But that's um, because they, they, they shouldn't change so much. You're Toro Rosso, stop naming yourselves after a clothing brand. Um, yeah, it's not Toro it's Minardi, not, not, <laughs> not, not, not even nice clothes either. Just <laughs> I'm just jealous because I can't afford it. That's what it is. <laughs> Because I'm not, I'm not paying two hundred and fifty pound for a six pound Primark shirt. No way. Yeah. I uh, saw an advert on Facebook the other day as Pierre Gasly um, in the AlphaTauri gear. I clicked on it, went straight to Pierre Gasly's website, and like the cheapest thing I could see on it was sixty pound. What was if that? If I was spending sixty quid, I'd be spending it <laughs> on the Hawaiian shirts. Sixty-five, though, Danny. That's the issue. There's sixty-five quid, but they, we will have some Hawaiian shirts. I'm sure we need more. 
Yes. Uh, but bringing it back to uh, let's bring it back to the race weekend. We'll go, Danny. We'll go back to you. Mm-hmm. Who's your podium for the race? I'm going to be very boring. It's going to be Lewis at the top, Max second, and Bottas the third. It's always Hamilton, Verstappen, and Bottas, isn't it? It's, it's they, they'll be breaking the record again. if they do it. I think they break the record if they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, I'm going to be a bit different. I think then I, I can see Max on pole. Lewis is going to have to try and take it to Max going into the first chicane. I'm hoping, you know, maybe them two may have a little collide and spin each other around and then they'll leave an open race for everyone else. And I think McLaren's will be strong. So I'm going to go Perez, Ricardo, Bottas. I'd like to see. I'd, big Lewis I think we should have saved that, that for the crazy prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, who's your front three? Who's your top three? I would say it's going to be one of the Red Bulls on the top spot. I'm not entirely sure yet whether it's going to be Verstappen or Perez, but it's going to be one one. of those. Pick one. Go on. I'd have to say Max purely because he's been in the car longer. So maybe Max, Hamilton, and for some reason, I think Leclerc. I think they've made Mm -hmm. a few strides in that Ferrari. Get you trying to get the Ferrari fans back on side. I just, (laughs) I just, I just see that they're trying so hard and like, Josh said, you know, if you get a tangle on the first lap and you take out, say, both of the McLarens or one of the Alpha Tarries, you know, you've got a good chance of seeing the Ferraris come through. Um, I'm going for a Red Bull 1 too. I'm thinking Max, Checo, and then Lewis. That's a pretty solid prediction. A very safe, a very safe, if I might add. It's safe. It's safe. So we're predicting what's going to happen. And uh, I think going back to what you were saying last week, Dan, it, with yeah. Red Bull, if they have two cars up there, I think they can pull something off. 100%. Yeah. Mm. But we've, uh, we've got a bit crazy in the, uh, in the podium predictions, but let's go with the one that's always uh, hard to predict. I always say that. There's a, a, there's a pay driver and a hat, so uh, <laughs> it might not be too hard to predict. Uh, but Josh, we'll go to you first, although you've kind of already spoiled it. Who's going to be the first retirement, Max or Lewis? <laughs> Max 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 causes it or Lewis causes it Max of course I think the, the thing is Max is a bit more aggressive I find I think Lewis is a bit more matured as he's got older and um, but I think at this stage in championship Lewis is still hanging out there whereas before he would back out of something I think now he knows the fight's on so if they both crash into each other they're both still on level aren't they they're not no one's gained from it so I think ah, Josh is thinking strategic. If um, yeah, I think if Max, if he doesn't collide with Max, Max has won the race. So if Max just tried mm. to, you think he's going to center him? Like, that's, well, yeah, no, that's, I don't think he, he stole I it. I don't think that. I just think that Max is going to try and run him out as wide as possible, and Hamilton's not going to back off. Thinking if he runs him out wide and I give in, Max has won the race, so I can't fight him. So I think he's just going to hang it there and then hopefully tap the rear of his car or something. Can't get any points for the championship if you're not running. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, who's your first DNF? I'm going to go with one of the Alpines and I'm going to have to say Ocon because I think he's got too much to prove uh, now that he's back. And I think he's going to get a bit overzealous and he's probably going to end up taking out two or three cars. So I think that'll be. So you think Ocon will be Ocoff? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Ocoff, yeah. <laughs> Danny? I think it's going to be Leclerc, the first one to go out. I think uh, he's going to overcompensate. He's going to crash in the first turn. I'm thinking Leclerc. 
He has former crashing on first laps, doesn't he? So Bahrain last year, Seb and Russia, I think it was, wasn't it? Or some uh, he, no, took, he, he took Perez out in Russia last season. Um, yeah, and Stroll Perez, took no, out. Uh, Stroll, yeah. Stroll out. I he also think took it's out Vettel be... in, um, in uh, where is it? Austria. Austria, yeah. yeah. It is just going to be a season of that, you know, they're going to be overzealous because, you know, they need to make the most of this season because it's with it changes. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I, I personally think with the Mercedes kind of losing a little bit, that kind of gives the likes of, say, AlphaTauri or potentially Aston Martin and Ferrari and McLaren and stuff like that. That that gives them a bit of bit of taste, you know, like oh we could we we could get something. And I just think you've got so many competing drivers more than we've had in the last couple of seasons. You've got Stroll and Vettel, like they're going to be at it hundred percent. You've got Leclerc and Sainz, they're going to be at it hundred percent. Verstappen and Perez, Perez is not going to care if Verstappen's the Red Bull Golden Boy, he's going for every gap. It's it's gonna be crazy season. Oh, it's gonna be brilliant. But you've all you've all got it wrong because you've all gone for your first DNF, but you've forgotten one very, very, very important thing. Massive. Oh, <laughs> but that's that's just an easy cop out, isn't it? To, to it's choose, not an easy cop out. I mean to choose the worst driver in F1 right now or over <laughs> the last decade. With the exception, oh of... no, no, he's not Roberto Mary. He's not Roberto Mary. <sighs> no, I was trying to think of no. I, I was thinking, what's uh? I got suck on Yamamoto. Maldonado. He's not Ma- Maldonado won a race. <laughs> if you see Mazepin win a race, yeah, but how many seasons was in was Ma- Maldonado in in F one before he won a race? Two. It's his second year, wasn't it? Was it? It was the second or third season. He was not in it for long. He, I just think that he got his contract confused. He was like, "What? So we're not playing bumper cars?" No, no one told me. <laughs> he wants to play bumper cars or something. That's, that's what it was. He could play bumper cars, but he's a bloody quick driver. I think the rest of the grid will tell you that he was quick. He just never had spatial awareness. Yeah, but <laughs> you don't you don't have to have spatial awareness when half the cars are off the track because you've taken them out. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully. My prediction is um, Mazepin doesn't take out half the track. Um, I think he's just going to run wide, spin it, get it beached in the gravel. Because it's an old school track. Yeah. Oh, so they've, got, they, they, they've got gravel, haven't they? Yeah. Yes, yeah, proper old school track. I like that. I, I like the gravel. The gravel is a, re, it is a repercussion for your actions. And the fact that you can't even get a push from the um, officials anymore either. You know? No, only if your car's in a dangerous position. That's it. There would be no... Lewis restarting and then coming back to win the race after being multiple laps down and stuff like that is yeah. Did Lewis win in the Nurburgring two thousand and seven? No, Alonso won that race. Uh, Massa Alonso duel at the end where they clashed. Oh yeah, and yeah, this is The famous fight in the was that the was one that where it was just like torrential rain like the whole time? Yeah, yeah. Lewis winner. Yeah, for and, some reason, um, I, for some reason, I thought Lewis won that one. It was because it was Alonso was in the McLaren back then, mate. That that, that, race, uh, that is still like in my top five races. Like I love oh, that race. Same here. I love that race. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton. That was his first race where he didn't end in the podium, um, and he didn't end in the points as well. But it it and, it, it, it looked like um, when you play Mario Kart and they put all the 
like banana yeah. peels yeah. everywhere. They just sit in hell. I'm like, what are they doing? Josh, I think we should um, give a uh, hats off to the strategist of um, what was the team in Spiker? He managed to get Winklehock on first. Oh, didn't yeah. He on the race. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got as good a record as some laps. <laughs> yeah. Marcus Winklehock is the uh, is the F1 equivalent to Sam Allardyce's England manager. Got a perfect record, yeah. <laughs> even if he didn't finish the race. But we'll, we'll go from one of our favourite races and one of the star races of all time to the star performers of the weekend. Um, Danny, who's your star performer? Star performer. Uh, for this race, for the nostalgia reasons, I'm going for Lonzo. Alonzo, Imola, just uh, unfortunately he won't be able to drive the R25 in there, but I do expect some good results from him to continue those good results um, that he showed last week in Bahrain, even though he was, you know, DNF because of a sandwich wrapper. But uh, I feel like in Imola he'll be, he'll do good here. Top 10, top 10 finish for him. Josh? Uh, I think Alpha Tauri. Will do well at Imola. They did well there last year. They seem to have the car set up for there. I think Yuki Tsunoda had a brilliant debut last weekend. I think he's going to follow it up. And I think Pierre Gasly, who's one of my favourite drivers, will do well as well. I think he'll probably finish in the top five. Dan? I think that this is the race that Vettel gets a handle on his car and shows what, 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 what he can do as a four-time world champion. And then puts his um, hand up to his ear and said, you, did, you, did you see that? Did you hear that, um, Helmet Marco, after the comments <laughs> that you said about Vettel this past week? What did he say? I've missed and this. He basically said uh, Vettel should have taken a year off this year. It's a bit hard to judge him on one race, I think. Give him another couple of races and see what he can do. Well, if there was a guy who was an expert in judging drivers after one race, Helmet Marco, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, just 100%. dropping them after one bad race. Um, my star performer is going to be Max. I know, boring, boring. Before Dan even says it, I can see him itching there to shout the word boring. Do you want to shout boring, Dan? No, I have ridiculed you enough in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I feel like your choice is your choice. I, I, I don't think... But it's... you are wrong, anyway. We'll have a around this podcast soon in order Dutch fans to be... You know, we'll be big in Holland if you keep on saying Max. Well, we've got a big to somewhere because I've managed to get rid of a lot. <laughs> You've got rid of the Italians. Um, yeah. <laughs> coming back, uh, I, I think Max is going to be a star performer. I don't think Max is going to be a star performer. I think he's going to dominate this weekend. I'm thinking every session fastest. I'm talking uh, lead the race from start to finish. I think he could pull out enough of a gap and have, um, have Lewis covered. Lewis will probably try some sort of undercut. Max still, he'll lead every lap of this race, I reckon. I think it's going to be uh, one of those drives that when uh, when Lewis does it, the Sky F1 conferences just go, uh, oh, it's a drive for the ages, it's perfect. And you'd have uh, people saying, well-managed, which is my least favourite thing to hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, or oh, what a well-managed drive. No, uh, I don't want to hear that. I want to see a battle, but I think Max is just going to dominate this weekend. One thing for sure that we're here, if Max is going to be dominating... I'm pretty sure we're here. Bono, my tyres has gone on the radio. Bono, my tyres has gone is when things get serious and things get better for Lewis. That's the thing. Bono, my tyres has gone. It's like new hammer time. It's, oh, my tyres are gone. But watch me now go faster than everyone else on track. Did everyone uh, watch? I don't know what I don't know what one it was in. 
it was a uh, maybe some documentary or something where they where, where they explained what what hammer time was and how it come around did you watch that yeah it was pretty it's much because he didn't like being told to do more did he <laughs> like yes. i'm f- doing the best i can it's like what do you want from me yeah, habit time uh, pretty much means use up all your tyres. Everything yeah. you've got left, you'll be coming in in the next three laps. On a bit of a different note, were you born, Reese, when Hammer Time was released by MC <laughs> Hammer? God, when was when was MC Hammer? Ninety one was it? Ninety one? No, I was ninety six. So uh, yeah, I am younger than Hammer Time. <laughs> I am a lot older than Hammer Time. You're old enough to be Yuki Tsunoda's dad, aren't you? Me, probably. <laughs> I think everyone's old enough to be Yuki Tsunoda's dad here. Uh, <laughs> just about, if I had him when I was 18. Yuki is what, 20 or 19? 20. Think. Uh, 20, 20, 20 and he's he's showing everyone up. And uh, yeah, I think we're all pretty pumped in Tsunoda. We know he's going to be great. Um, so I'll ask this one question before we finish. What is the ceiling for Yuki Tsunoda? Hmm, tough one. I think it'd be Japan's most successful ever Formula 1 driver in a couple of years' time as well, not taking anything away from Kamui Kobayashi. Um, I just think he's young. He's got the right back and behind him. We'll probably see him in a Red Bull one day because, let's be honest, Perez is not going to be there forever. Um, Gasly looks like he's going to be moving to Alpine. So I think, yeah, I think that that's the next hottest prospect. I think they want to keep him, especially, I know they're not really got Honda engines as of such next year but it's still a Honda engine but it's not a Honda engine I think that you know there's still a connection with Japan so I think yeah we could see him probably in the top half of the grid maybe challenging for the odd win or two too early to say yeah after one race in Formula 1 for me though I think he is aiming solely for that um, that Red Bull drive to prove what he's can got sorry I think he's aiming for the Red Bull drive to prove what he's got. And then he he's then he's going to be looking at obviously the most prominent team at the time. That's where he's going to want to uh, want to be. He's got the talent. He's, he's, he's proved that in F2. But it's just whether he gets chewed up and spit out by the whole paid driver thing. That's the issue paid for driver? me. Is where, you know, you've got... What, do you mean get ousted by a paid driver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know... Is is he gonna lose his seat for money? That's the biggest problem. Not if that we've not got. if he's fast enough. Not if he's fast enough. You'd, you'd hope. I think Yuki's in the, in the right team, being in Red Bull. I don't think he'll he'll be replaced by a pay driver at Toro Rosso or Red Bull. They, they have plenty of money. They'll be fine. So he's a, in that area. He's he's gonna be okay. His ceiling, ceiling, his ultimate ceiling. Um, just be a top of the you know top half driver. He's gonna be a really good driver. He might he might get the occasional win. He'll get some podiums, but. Yeah, I think that's the ceiling. Yeah, I think it's great as well that Yuki Tsunoda is obviously from Japan as well and uh, a different ethnic group to a lot of the drivers in Formula 1 at the moment. And the way that it's going, the world's going, they want, you know, to showcase anyone can do it around the world, no matter who you are, where you come from. Well, I think that's the beauty of, uh, of Formula 1. There's this global reach about it. I mean, this, even this podcast, even though we're only a few uh, episodes into it, uh, we've got listeners in America. We've got listeners in the UK, Poland, throughout Europe, uh, some in the Middle East. So it's it just shows that Formula One's got this global appeal. So uh, with that, we'll say goodbye to our listeners all over the uh, all over the world.
thank you very much for tuning into this episode. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Formula One Fans UK. Uh, we're on Facebook as Formula One Fans UK. We're also on Patreon if you want to donate, support the podcast. Everything that goes into the Patreon goes straight back into uh, Formula One Fans UK in the form of competitions, running the podcast. Uh, we don't take anything for ourselves. It's a complete non-profit. Um, so with that, until next time, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. See you later, guys. Adios. See you later. Wait, I got a quick question. Um, no, wait, I forgot. What the f- was it? <laughs> <laughs>